Hey, my name is Jason Byler. I'm the pastor of Life Change Church. Thank you so much for checking out our podcasts. I believe that if you'll listen to them, uh, that you will be blessed. Mark 4 tells us that the Word of God uh, planted down inside of our hearts uh, can bring forth a rich, beautiful, abundant harvest in our lives. This is my desire uh, for you. Uh, so as you listen to the Word, just receive it. Let it get down in your heart. And bring forth a harvest. Thank you so much again for listening. God bless you. Who knows what God will do? Hey, I'm reminded of the, I guess because I've been studying in First Samuel, the, uh, the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer. And Jonathan says to his armor bearer, come on, come on, me and you, let's go over and face the, the Philistine army. Who knows, who knows what God will do? He can bring about victory with, with one or two, or he can bring about victory with, with many. Who knows what the Lord may do? Who knows what the Lord may do with, with each and every one of us? I know that, uh, that um, everyone is in prayer for everyone uh, who, who is struggling with health issues, especially this COVID, so let me just encourage you to, to continue to do that. Uh, this Wednesday night, we, Joy and I will online Bible study. The youth will uh, continue to gather together uh, here, they've, they've, by the way, been having a, a wonderful time. Um, Elizabeth said to me uh, the other day, um, maybe, maybe Monday, I don't know, uh, that, uh, that maybe, maybe youth needs to be two times a week. She said, it's just, one's just not enough. Maybe it needs to be uh, two times a week. So they, what you guys have been talking about has, has really been relevant and exciting to her. Uh, um, uh, so, so good job uh, there. Uh, um, yeah, so, so, so that's our announcements right there. And then we'll gather together again uh, next Sunday. Uh, and, uh, and so thankful for all of you who, who are here uh, in person uh, and, uh, and are social distancing and stuff. And it seems like a good idea right now with everything that's kind of breaking out crazy. Uh, um, and thankful for all of you who are, who are watching online. The Lord uh, bless you uh, as well. I hope hope and pray that, that the presence of the Lord that is here will invade uh, your living room or wherever you are watching uh, or, or listening. Um, you know, even though all this is, is going on, the, uh, the Lord has continued to bless uh, the church and, and we're thankful for that. Uh, and, uh, and I know that many Christians have been continued to be blessed, uh, especially uh, financially, and we're thankful to, for the Lord, uh, to the Lord for that. Uh, as well. Uh, so, so thank you for your faithfulness uh, in giving uh, all of you, and just let me encourage you to, to continue uh, to do that. Not only does it bring the Lord's blessing uh, on your life, but it's so, you know, so cool to me uh, how God can take uh, the money that we give and use it to build His kingdom and uh, lay up treasure in heaven for us, an eternal reward uh, for us. So, so if you're here, you can uh, give in the offering basket. Uh, if, you're, if you're watching or, or listening, you can give online at lifechangechurch.tv giving, or you can text give uh, to 334 uh, you can or you can mail it in uh, there to our P.O. box uh, that is up on the on the 
screen uh, right there. Uh, so, so thank you, uh, everyone, uh, for your offering. Thank you for uh, your giving. And uh, now let's just pray and uh, pray the Lord bless our giving and bless, uh, bless the offering. Uh, Lord, we are uh, thankful for uh, all of your many uh, blessings. Uh, I, I thank you, Lord, that, that, that for me, I have never seen one day uh, of the righteous forsaken uh, or his seed begging bread. And, and we know, Lord, that you are Jehovah Jireh, that it, that it is you who, uh, who provide for us. Uh, and so we give you praise and we give uh, you thanks. Uh, we know that, that it's you who uh, supplies all of, of our riches and all of our needs. And, and we give you glory and we give you praise for this, Lord. And, and we don't worry about tomorrow uh, what we're going to eat or drink or where or how you're going to provide. Uh, we know that you will and we praise you and we thank you for this. And Lord, we thank you for the gift of giving and, and pray that you would just uh, strengthen us and, and encourage us and help us to do it more and more. And that you'd give to us a, a greater revelation uh, of the blessedness of giving because we know that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. But remind us of that uh, every day, how wonderful it is to bless, uh, how wonderful uh, it is uh, to give. And, and so Lord, I pray that as we, as we tithe and are faithful in that and as we bring our offering, that you would throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out such a blessing on us that we don't have room enough to contain it, that you would come and rebuke uh, the devourer, that you'd bless uh, the, the, the portion that we uh, need uh, to survive on, Lord, and, and you'd make it uh, more uh, abundant and fruitful than it would ever be on its own without uh, your blessing. Bless uh, all of your people. Um, bless your church, not only ours, but, but the churches of Jesus. Jesus Christ, uh, all over the world and all over our nation. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, let me walk down here and grab my uh, Bible and coffee cup and book and phone. And I need a backpack. <laughs> All this stuff. I'm about. I just. I just about broke out into like Dora the Explorer, and I, yeah, I choked it down. Maybe I should have. I should have just uh, sing it out there. <laughs> backpack, backpack. We are going to go on a. We're going to go on a journey uh, this morning uh, to the Lonely Mountain, and you just go. You just go over the bridge and through the jungle, and <laughs> some of you got it. Praise Jesus. And we're gonna yeah, we're gonna watch out for swiper. And if he comes, we're gonna tell him no swiping. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, hallelujah. Mm. Uh, and, you know, they, they made a movie of that. Did you Dora the Explorer the, the movie? It's it's really kind of strange. I, I, I thought, I don't know if you liked it. <laughs> it's good. I, I thought, wow, this is really it's kind of some strange, uncomfortable moments in it, you know. I'd, anyway. Praise the Lord. Maybe you should pray for me this morning that the Lord will, Lord will help me, uh, help me to focus. Um, you know, we we did uh, start a series uh, last Sunday called calling it the Lion, the Witch, and the and the White Robe, uh, and uh, and and definitely, you know, uh, receiving inspiration from the great C.S. Lewis and and his wonderful book and his 
wonderful series, the, the Lion, the Witch, and the, and the Wardrobe, and, uh, and, and love the epic tales that he tells, and, and love you know, the, the, all kinds of uh, epic stories, and, and we can really learn a lot uh, from uh, you know, these different tales and these, and these uh, different stories, and, and especially from uh, C.S. Lewis, because he's writing it in such a way as, as to, to teach us and to, and to reveal to us, uh, you know, truth uh, from Scripture and truth uh, from the Word of God. And so, so last Sunday we, uh, we uh, focused on uh, the, that lie and that first part of it. And, and you know, what, what I was trying to, to do is to, uh, you know, hopefully with the help of the Lord and the leading of the Holy Spirit is to uh, remind us uh, of of who we are uh, in in Christ and and that kind of continues throughout uh, this uh, throughout this theme so so we learned uh, last sunday that uh, that we are that we are god's people that we who you know who have put our faith and trust uh, in jesus that we are that we are royal uh, priests that we are that we are kings uh, and priests and uh, and and what a you know what I want you to know, and what I what I want you to uh, remember, uh, and and never forget is is that that is who you are, and and because of that, that you are that you are sealed by God, uh, that you know Second Corinthians one that you are anointed uh, by God, that you have a deposit of the Holy Spirit uh, within you, guaranteeing uh, what is to come. So so you've got the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, you've got uh, the anointing, uh, you've got God's seal of ownership uh, on. You and, and and what that means is that we are not of those uh, who are defeated by the roaring lion who roams around seeking whom uh, he may uh, devour. Uh, he he's he's desiring uh, to uh, come and against us and to to steal, kill, destroy, uh, to devour. But what you need to know is that not you, not not your family. Not on your watch. That you've got a, a lion uh, killing anointing uh, on uh, your life. That you're not some ordinary uh, somebody. That you've been set apart, called of God. That you are anointed, uh, chosen, gifted, full of the Holy Spirit. And so when the lion comes against you, he's just come against the wrong person. Like when, when, the, when the young roaring lion came out against Samson, he had just come against the wrong person. Or, or, or when the lion came against David to try to take one of his sheep, he just, he just stole sheep from the wrong shepherd. And, and just like that, we've got a, a, a warrior anointing on our lives that we're not called to defeat, that we are called to victory. And I think that we need to know that. I think one of the one of the things that many Christians are 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 struggling with is that they don't believe that they are who God says they are, that they have what God says they have, and that they can do what God says they can do. It's it's all the way you know back to the to the story in Judges six of of Gideon. What what was one of Gideon's major things that he had to overcome? It was it was that he didn't believe that God's promises were for him, and that he didn't believe that he was who God said he was. You remember the angel shows up and speaks to Gideon. He's hiding in the wine press threshing wheat, and, and the angel says to him, Hey, Gideon, 
You are a mighty warrior, and the Lord is with you. Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And what is Gideon's first response to that is, no, I don't think so. No, God, you say God's with me? I don't see it. Where is he? Like, nothing's working out for us. God, God's with me? No, sir. He, he doesn't believe it. He doesn't believe the word of God uh, spoken to him that God is uh, with him. And, and, then, and then he says, and, and you, you calling me a mighty warrior? I am not. I'm sorry, sir, angel, but you are mistaken. You, you were wrong. He said, I'm not, I'm not a mighty warrior. I'm the furthest thing from it. You, you, don't, you don't know who I am. See, see, Gideon doesn't believe in the promises of God over his life, and, and he doesn't believe that he is who God says he is. Let, let, me get, let me get not politically correct for just a moment, if, if I can. That's where I live. I live in the not politically correct world. I live in the biblically correct world. Politically correct right now is that, is that you define yourself. And we don't. God, God hasn't given us the, the right to define uh, ourselves. And, and, as long as, and as long as you uh, hold, you know, it's back to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's, it's I am my own and I define who I am and I will be who I want to be. You know, God's never given us that. We, we are not the creator. He's the creator. He, we didn't create ourselves. He created us, and only he knows who we are. And, and so only he can truly define us. So as long as, as long as you're trying to define yourself, you will never truly know who uh, you are. One of the things that, that we've got uh, to begin to receive and believe is who God says we are. So if God says to Gideon, Gideon, you're a mighty warrior, Gideon says, no, no, you don't know me. I know me. Nobody knows me better than me. False. There's someone who knows you better than you. It's the one who formed you and fashioned you and knit you together, knew you before you knew yourself. God knows who you are and calls you by name and calls you mighty warrior. I think one of the things that we need to, that we need to learn is, 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 is who we are in Christ and whom God has created us to be. It isn't interesting that, that when you look at like epic stories like, like the lion, the witch, and the, and the wardrobe, one of the, one of the main things that the that the heroes of the story have to find out is they've got to, they, they believe something wrong about themselves and they've got to go on this journey of discovering who they truly are. We've got many, many, many a Christian called by God, set apart and anointed, who, who don't believe that God's with them and don't believe that they are who God says they are. But, but hopefully they're on a journey and they're discovering every day that who they think they are is, is wrong if it doesn't line up with who God says that they are. Who, who you think you are is not right if it doesn't line up with whom God says you are. One of the, one of the wonderful things that we discover in Christ is we begin to discover who we truly are. Who, who God has created us to be in Christ Jesus. And, and what I want you to know is that 
in Christ Jesus, you are, you are not to lose. You are not to be defeated. You are not to be bound and enslaved. You are not to be stolen and, and killed and devoured and destroyed. That, that you are to win the battle against the roaring lion who roams around seeking whom he may devour. We are, we are a new creation, a royal priesthood, a holy people, uh, a people declaring the praises uh, of our God. Uh, let, me just, let me just show you again First uh, Peter chapter 2. And, and, and we see this all through the New Testament, um, but we'll just look at it right here. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His, His wonderful uh, light. You see, see, you've been called, you've been chosen, and, uh, and, and you've been brought out of darkness and into the light. So, so you once were, were darkness and in darkness and you couldn't see, but now you're in the light and you can see. And then I, I love verse 10. Because it reminds us of the shift. It, it reminds us of the, of the transformation. It, it reminds us that, that we once were, but we aren't anymore. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You see, I, I think we know this, but we've got to... We've got to remember it, and it feels like the Lord stirs it up in me all the time, is that, is that we in Christ are a new creation, that we are no longer who we once were, that all things have been made new. You know, 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 17, and, and here we clearly see that, that once... You know, when you, when you didn't believe in Christ, you were not a people. But now that you have trusted Jesus with your life, that, that from your heart you believe that God raised Him from the dead, that you've cried out to Him for salvation, that you've accepted His forgiveness, that you've received Him as Savior and Lord, now you are the people of God. What, what is, how does Jesus say it? He said, if you're going to enter into the kingdom of God, you've got to be what? You've got to be born again. It's, it's born again of the Spirit. It's a whole uh, new uh, life. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received uh, mercy. So, so outside uh, of Christ, uh, you, you recognize that, that you were alone and separated from God. That's, that's Ephesians 2.10, uh, right? And outside of Christ, you, you develop this whole bad self-image of who you are, not realizing, uh, not realizing uh, the, the true you because you weren't yet in Christ, which is only in Christ that you become the true you, but once you came to Jesus, you are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things are made new, and, and now you just need to know that God is with you, mighty warrior, that there is a lion-killing anointing on your life. Now, now that's such a huge part of, of every epic tale, and it's such an important part of, of the epic story that is, that is your story. And, you know, just continuing on with this, with this story theme, you know, if we look at C.S. Lewis's book, uh, The Lion, then there's, then there's The Witch, and, 
And, and the white witch in the book, she, she plays kind of a, a double role, which you often see in, in these epic stories. She, she plays a guide and also, and also the bad guy. And she's, the, she's the bad guy, but she also comes in as, and, and, and wants to bring guidance. And, and then, you know, in most epic story, there, there is also the guide who is the good guy. And that takes place in, in the uh, line of witch in a wardrobe as well. Uh, and, uh, and, and in many epic uh, tales, you could, you could just, as, as you start watching them, look for, look for the guide who's the good guy, who wants to come and bring guidance to the hero. And, and then there's the bad guy. And the bad guy is often uh, a guide as well who's, who's trying to uh, lead uh, the hero uh, in the wrong uh, direction, and, uh, and, and this is true uh, in your story as well, and we see this all through the Word of God, all the way back uh, to the beginning, right? In, in, a, in, in chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3, uh, Eve has God as the good guide who is bringing guidance to her life, but what does is, what is the ancient serpent show up as? He shows up as a guide. He, he, he comes to Eve with guidance, and he tries to get Eve to doubt God's guidance and then to accept and, and receive his guidance, and his desire is that he might lead Eve astray. That's exactly what Revelation 12 verse 9 says. When the, when the dragon is described to us, right, how is he described as that ancient serpent, the devil or Satan, who what? Who has, who leads the whole world astray. That he is coming as a guide to lead everyone who will astray. Like, like, like if you think about paths and if you and if you marked out two paths there is the path of abundant life and our guide there is our lord and savior jesus christ the holy spirit the word of god and then there is the the path of steal kill and destroy and that is the path that the red dragon the the ancient serpent the devil satan wants to lead us down it's, it's his desire to come and 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 guide us down the path of destruction guide us down the path of steal kill and destroy and he's going to do it with lies and trickery and deception so that we think so that so that you think you're on the path of abundant life when really you're on the path of steal, kill, and destroy. So, so you've, got, you've got these guides in, in our lives that, that are, are trying to lead us, and, and one wants to lead us to life, and the other wants to lead us astray. And, uh, and, and the, many times, in, in, in the line of witch in the wardrobe, the, the witch, the white witch is... Is the bad guy, who, or the bad gal, uh, who, uh, who is trying to lead astray, trying to take them down uh, the wrong path, and and we see this. It's interesting in in a lot of movies where a witch shows up, they show up as a guide, and 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 many times it's it's the hero going uh, to 
to the witch for, for guidance and help, and that's the wrong path that they should go down. Uh, interesting is that, is that we see this happen uh, in Scripture as well. And uh, I, I think that we can learn uh, a, good bit, a good bit from it. Uh, we, we see uh, uh, in the life of King Saul, in, in the story uh, of King Saul, that, that there comes a point in time in his life where he is seeking uh, guidance and help. And he goes to uh, a medium, a, a spiritus uh, in Endor, uh, who, uh, who I always grew up knowing as, as the witch of Endor. Uh, and, uh, and if you look at you know, 1 Samuel 28, and in my Bible, the title of that chapter is the witch uh, of, of Endor. Um, and I know that those are not inspired, but, it, but it's a fitting uh, title uh, for, uh, for, that, for that story. And so, so what happens to lead up to this? If you will, just give me just give me a moment to to bring us up to that point because I think it's important, especially in in this day and age, that that we recognize that the that the Bible is is not out of date, that it that it is not old, that. That it's not for a different time. That this book is is a miracle of God. Uh, that it is for us uh, today, and that and that it's not separate and and, and disjointed. And it, that it is one book. That it is sixty six books that come together as one book uh, to tell uh, one uh, story. And, and it's important for us to see how all of these things are are connected. So uh, so so if you remember. In Genesis, uh, uh, Abraham was selected by God, and and there was this incredible miracle birth of Isaac, uh, who uh, was was a uh, was the the child of promise given to Abraham and Sarah, who uh, who could not have uh, children, but but God can do whatever He wants and and call uh, whoever uh, barren to to fruitful that He desires to, and call dead things to life if He wants to. And and so Isaac was born, and 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 from Isaac uh, came uh, Jacob and Esau. And and then uh, you remember Esau. Uh, despised his birthright so it went to Jacob and 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 Jacob uh, wrestled with God and his name was tam- changed to Israel and he had 12 sons and so this is where the nation of Israel uh, comes from and uh, and each tribe of Israel is named this is you know all in Genesis is named after the 12 sons uh, of uh, of Jacob or of Israel except for Except for Joseph, his two sons Ephraim and Manasseh make up uh, the 12th tribe, the half-tribe of Ephraim, the half-tribe uh, of uh, Manasseh, uh, uh, you know, unless you read in Revelation where it actually calls his tribe the tribe of Joseph. Uh, um, so, uh, so you have this, this nation that has come together, and you remember the story of Joseph uh, where he went to Egypt uh, through many different circumstances, wound up in Egypt, and became the most powerful man under Pharaoh uh, there uh, in Egypt. And then a great famine hit the land, and so, uh, so Israel and, and his 11 sons moved to reunite with the 12, to make 12, to reunite with Joseph uh, there uh, in Egypt. And there in Egypt, uh, they were given 
were given land and they grew there in Egypt into a great uh, nation. And, and for 400 years they were there. Isn't that a long time? I mean, our nation isn't even that, that old. For 400 years they were, they were there and at some point in time the, the story of Israel and of Joseph was forgotten and, and Egypt enslaved uh, the Israelites and yet, yet God blessed them and they prospered and they grew into a great nation. And they, and they moving into the book of Exodus, they cry out to the Lord for uh, deliverance because they're in slavery there. And so, so the Lord comes, raises up uh, Moses, uh, and you know all, I'm sure you know all of that story, where uh, Moses, you know, uh, leads Israel out of Egypt and, and across the wilderness and they come to the promised land. Moses isn't allowed to bring them in to the promised land because he wasn't uh, obedient to God as as God would have liked in some in, in you know different story another time, but so he dies and Joshua is raised up to bring Israel into the promised land and he leads Israel into uh, the promised land and that's that's the book of Joshua as he comes into you know, the promised land and the Lord moves powerfully and gives them this land that he had promised to them uh, and. Uh, and then Joshua uh, dies, and we enter into this time period of the Judges. That's the book of Judges, right after Joshua, where, where, where Israel is, is led by judges uh, who, who arise like, uh, like uh, Samson, uh, one of those, or, or Samuel, who was a priest who arises uh, as, as judge. And so, uh, so there's this period of time there uh, in, the, in the, the time of the Judges, uh, and uh, and and then you come to uh, first and second uh, Samuel, where Samuel arises as as priest and judge uh, over Israel. But during this time, uh, the people go to Samuel and they ask for a king. They want a king so that they can be uh, like everybody else. Well, you know, Samuel talks to the Lord about it, and and and, and God says, you know, if they, they want a king. They don't want me to be king. Fine, give them a king. And and so uh, so the so the Lord uh, and and. You know, through Samuel, uh, brings uh, this man Saul, uh, who was a Benjamite, to become the king of Israel. And and at Saul's beginning, he was he was chosen by God, and he was anointed. And and we see a humble man. Uh, we see in in First Samuel chapter ten uh, that that the Holy Spirit comes upon Saul, and that he prophesies, and that his heart. Is, is changed and he becomes, he, he becomes the, the man of God that God has called him to be. And he, and he rises up and, and even though he's anointed as king, some people don't recognize him as that way, but, but there's an anointing of a warrior on him and he wins uh, some battles and has some mighty victories. And so then the people say, yeah, yeah, he's king and he is established as the king of Israel. But, but somewhere in the process... Saul's, Saul's heart starts to shift a little bit and, and, and to turn a little bit and pride enters in to his heart and he starts to take some things into his own hands that he, that he shouldn't take into his own hands. He, he takes some of Samuel's duties into his hands and he offers some sacrifices that he shouldn't have done, that he should have waited for Samuel to come and, and do. And, and, he, and he starts to turn away from the Lord to, to the point in a, 
in, in 1 Samuel 15 to where he has, a, he has an amazing victory that the Lord brought about. And at, after the victory, he erects a, a statue to himself. See, he gets into this, into this time of, of glory, glorifying and honoring himself. And everything really starts to become about uh, Saul and not about God. His heart is, it starts to shift and, and change to not be a heart for God, but a heart for Saul. He started out so good, but it's like his success and, and, and fame and blessing of the Lord. Now it's all gone to his head and he thinks it's all about him. And, and, and so you know, Samuel comes and, and speaks to him and, and tells him, because of these things that you've done, God's going to take the kingdom away from you and he's going to give it to another who has a heart that is after God's heart. You know, you know, so then we, we start to see the rise of David. And, and we see how they, that David and Saul come together and connect. You know, you know, you're familiar with the story of David and, and Goliath, where David comes and, and fights the giant Goliath that Saul wouldn't go out and fight and, and kills uh, the giant uh, Goliath. And, and, and then David rises uh, to fame, and, and, uh, and, and he becomes this important captain in Saul's uh, army. And, and they begin to sing songs about David, and they say that they sing this song that Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain his tens of thousands. And when Saul heard the song, he became angry. And it says, it says that he became jealous of David, and he began to watch David with a jealous eye. So, so now we see uh, Saul, uh, you know, wanting to glorify himself and, 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 and seeing pride enter into his heart. And then we see that jealousy now has entered into Saul's heart. We just see him being led astray. And as we watch his life, we see him turn completely on David and make his passion and his focus to try to stamp out David and to, and to kill David, even though there's two times where David could have killed Saul and he spared his life and he didn't do it. And, and even that didn't totally change Saul's heart. He still was after David to try to kill David to, to, to the point that David had to flee Israel and go live with uh, the Philistines uh, and, and be under the, the king of uh, the Philistines. And, and we know in, during that time, Saul did some things like, like killing priests and, 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 and some terrible things that he, is just, that he is just so turned away from the Lord. And in, in chapter 28... Uh, of uh, of First Samuel, we find that David is is with the Philistines, and um, and that and that uh, he has, and that the Philistines are are gathering their forces to come against Saul and the armies uh, of Israel. And this is a uh, First Samuel twenty eight, uh, verse verse one. In, 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 I didn't mention Ruth in there, uh, but you know Ruth uh, is a uh, is is right after the book uh, of Judges. And and Ruth is the you know this story, but it is the it is the story of of bringing in to the story the line of David, the beginning of the line of David, because we know that from David comes our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. First Samuel twenty eight verse one. In those days, the Philistines gathered their forces to fight against Israel. Achish said to David, this is the, the king of the Philistines, said to David, uh, you must understand that you and your men uh, will accompany me 
uh, in the army, um, which was you know customary in those times. If if you were uh, seeking refuge uh, in in another land, that you would go to battle with them if they if they went to battle. And and he's, he knows David's a mighty warrior. Uh, then David said, then you will see for yourself uh, what your servant can do. Achish replied, very well, uh, I will make you my bodyguard for life. And, you know, just evident of how, how trustworthy uh, David is, uh, that he's, you know, here he is the, the killer of the Philistine giant, and now he's going to be made the, the Philistine king's bodyguard. You know, so David's not really in a wonderful place at this point in time himself either. Verse 4. coffee break. The Philistines assembled and came and set up camp at Shunem, while Saul gathered all Israel and set up camp at Gilboa. When Saul saw the Philistine army, (laughs) struck me as funny, when Saul saw the Philistine army, he he was afraid and terror filled his heart. So, Philistines come against them. Saul looks, sees this vast army that's gathered together, and and he's afraid, and fear uh, fills uh, his heart. So so now we've got Saul in a really, really bad place, right? We know that pride is already in his heart, and we know that jealousy is already uh, growing in his heart, but but now he looks at the enemy, and, and instead of being courageous, uh, he's afraid, and fear is filling his heart. And, and when, when we start to get afraid, and, and so much so that we allow fear to uh, enter into our hearts, then, then this can really, uh, really lead us down a bad road. You know, so I think it's important right here to, to pause and, and remember that we are uh, the people of God, uh, that we are called by His name, uh, that all of God's promises for us are yes and amen, uh, that He is with us, that we are uh, mighty warriors. There, there's so much fear uh, right now uh, all around us and, 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 and in, in many people's lives and, and even getting into the church and, and, and into uh, Christians' uh, lives, but but we know that we, the people of God, are not to be afraid. And, and we certainly cannot allow fear to enter into our hearts. So, so Saul is so afraid of this army and fear enters his heart. And, and, and you, you, know, you may say, well, you know, he ought to be afraid because this is a vast and terrible army. And, a, and, and so much so that fear should get down inside of his heart. But now, so, here, so here's what Saul does. And and, you know, for a moment here, he does a good thing. Verse 6 says, he inquired of the Lord. Now, that is a good thing to do. That is, that is what we want to do. See, see, he's looking at this vast uh, army of the Philistines gathered against him who, who hate him. And, and he's afraid so much so that fear is getting down inside uh, of his heart. And, and so what he does is he's, he's I need some guidance I need, I need a word. I need some, some help. I got to turn to a guide. And so the guide that he chooses to turn to is the guide that he should choose to turn to. He inquires of 
the Lord. He said, I need, I, need, I, need a, I need to know what I'm to do with this problem that is before me, with this problem that is, that is facing me. So that is what we should do. When, when fear starts to crowd in around us and starts to get inside of our hearts and, and we're, we're, like Saul, seeing everything that's going on around us, when, we, when we're seeing everything that's encamped around us, one of the things that we should do is we should inquire of the Lord. We should go to Him and, and seek counsel, go to Him and, and seek help. But then it says this, but, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or Urim or prophets. So he's inquiring of the Lord, but God's not answering. Inquiring of the Lord, but God's not speaking. And you don't have to raise your hand, but, but I wonder how many of, of you have ever experienced that. Like the going to the Lord and it seems like God is silent. The going to the Lord and it seems like He's not answering. And you, and you try and you try and you try, but He's not, he's not answering. So, so let me just tell you part of the problem right here, and then we'll come back and, and we'll look at a, at a solution. And part of the problem right here is, is it doesn't seem like He tries hard enough to me. Right? I'm only getting three times. There's only three tries. You know, you got this vast army that is against you. You're terrified. Fears entered your hearts. And all you got is three tries? That's all you're going to give? That's all the effort you're going to put into going to the Lord and finding out what He might say? And, and, and this quickly, He gives up. And I think maybe sometimes that's our problem as well. We just give up a little too quickly. And, and, and move to take matters into our own hands. And this is what, this is what Saul does. He, he moves to take matters into our own hands. And, and, and so he says, I'm going I'm to find some help and some guidance somewhere else. And, and look at what he does. Saul then said to his attendants, find me a woman uh, who is a, a medium so that I may go and inquire of her. So find me a, a medium. Now, now, this is clearly against uh, Jewish law. God has said not to do this. And, and Saul knows this because he's the one, he's the king that has rid the land of, of mediums. So that, so that you can't go find a, a witch and inquire of her or a wizard and inquire of him. Uh, you can't look to them for guidance because Saul has, has put them out of the land and put an end to it. But, but now Saul, in, his, in this desperate place, full of fear, is now turning uh, to a medium uh, to inquire of her. And, and so the attendants say to him, there's one in Endor. So Saul disguised himself, putting on other clothes, and at night he and two men went to the woman. Consult a spirit for me, he said, and bring up for me uh, the one that I named. Now, now this is kind of a mysterious, uh, strange uh, story uh, right here, and, and it's probably going to raise some, some questions uh, in, in your thinking, uh, and uh, you know, maybe sometime we can get together and talk and try to, try to work them out. Um, I'll, I'll try to give you the answers I can. But the woman said to him, surely uh, you know what Saul has done. He has cut off the mediums and spiritists from the land. Why have you set a trap for my life to bring about my death? 
And Saul swore to her by the Lord, as surely as the Lord lives, you will not be punished for this. Then the woman asked, who shall I bring up for you? Bring up Samuel, he said. So, so now Saul goes to a medium to try to get to Samuel. You want to go to the, the prophet of the, of the Lord. Uh, by the way, Samuel's died. Did we read that? Samuel has died at this point, if you didn't know that. Verse 12, when the woman saw Samuel, she cried out at the top of her voice and said, why have you deceived me? You are Saul. So, so something here happens that she's not used to happening. <laughs> I don't know what it is exactly. Maybe she's like, wow, that, that actually worked. Whoa, that's never happened before. And, and then in the process, somehow she recognizes that uh, that, uh, that Saul is King Saul. And she says, that, then the king said to her, don't be afraid, but what do you see? And the woman said, I see a ghostly figure coming up out of the earth. What does he look like, he asked. An old man wearing a robe is coming up, she said. Uh, then Saul uh, knew it was Samuel, and he bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. So now he has, he has turned to this, and this whole crazy scene uh, has, is taking place. And, 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 and looking to this, this, uh, this medium, this spiritist, this, this witch uh, for, for help uh, and, and guidance, trying to, it's almost like he's, he's, he's run uh, to, the, to, the, to witchcraft in order to discover God's plan and purpose and will. It's just, it's just a whole mess that's going on uh, right here. And so Samuel said to Saul, why have you uh, disturbed me by bringing me up? Uh, I am in, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? I am in great distress, Saul said. And, and this is happening because, right, fears entered his heart. He's got all this trouble around him. He, he truly is in great distress. And, and don't you see that in epic stories? Like, the hero of the story usually makes pretty good decisions until this takes place, until they are in great distress, and, and then convictions start to break down, and, and lines uh, start to be crossed, and they start to do things that they wouldn't normally do and go places that they wouldn't normally go, and, and, and this is happening with Saul. Now, now the king that, is, that has put an end to the mediums and spirits has now gone to one of them for guidance. Says, I am in great distress. The Philistines are fighting against me, and God has departed from me. See, see, this is this is the major part of the problem right here. Is that is that the Philistines have come against him, and he recognizes that God's no longer with him. It's this enemy that he can't deal with, this enemy that he can't be victorious over, this enemy that he can't face. Unless God is there, unless God helps, and God's departed, and God's gone. And so because he's got an enemy that is more than he is, and God has departed from him, he's in great, he's in great distress. And he should be. He should be. If God's not going to help, he should be in great, in great distress. But, but instead of going the direction that he's going, there's another path that he could have chosen. But he didn't. God has departed from me, and he no longer answers me, either by prophets or by dreams. 
So I have called on you to tell me what to do. So now he's, he's gone to a medium to get to dead Samuel to try to find guidance in what he should do, such as the distress and desperate place that we find Saul in. So Samuel says to him, why, why do you consult me now that the Lord has departed from you and become your enemy? The Lord has done what he predicted through me. The Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hands and given it to one of your neighbors, to David. Because you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce anger against the Amalekites, the Lord has done this to you today. The Lord will deliver both Israel and you into the hands of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. You and your sons are going to die. Israel is going to be defeated. Uh, The Lord will also give you the army of Israel uh, into the hands of the Philistines. The Lord will also give the army of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. Immediately, uh, Saul fell full length on the ground, filled with fear because of Samuel's words, his strength was gone, for he had, uh, for he had eaten nothing all that day and and all that night. And and we know that when we get fearful and distressed, that that greatly saps our strength as well. On top of that, he you know it, it took away his appetite, so that he hadn't eaten anything. So he's fallen down because he doesn't have any strength. And uh, verse twenty one. This is, this is how this part of the story ends. When the, when the woman came to Saul and saw that he was greatly shaken, uh, you know, that would shake you, right? I think that that, that message would, would greatly shake you. Uh, and he says, and she said, look, uh, your servant has obeyed you. I, I took my life in my hands and did what you told me to do. Now please listen to your servant and let me give you some food uh, so you may eat and have the strength to go on your way. And he refused and said, I, I will not eat. But his men joined uh, with the woman in urging him. So, so they given, they're given guidance again, guidance to eat. And he listened to them and he got up uh, from the ground and sat on the couch. And the woman had a fatted calf uh, at the house, uh, which she butchered at once. And she took some uh, flour, kneaded it and baked bread without yeast. Then she set it before Saul and his men, and they ate. And that same night, they got up and left. And as the end of this story, the next time we find uh, Saul, he, he goes into battle, and, um, and everything that Samuel said happens, and he's, he's defeated, and he loses his life and the lives of his son as well. As, as, I, as I read that during studying this, it, it was just so sad to me. It, it was, reading it, it was all I could do just to not cry. And I've read it many times, but it just, it just hit me so sad. The, the end of, of Saul's life and, and this story of, of, of turning to a witch for guidance and, and, and even hearing it and finding it, and then, and then his story ends with just, with just eating, regaining his strength, and, and going on his way, and even though the Philistines are, are camped here. Let me, let me tell you, as the people of God, what we do and what we don't do, where we go for guidance and where we don't go uh, for guidance, 
who as the people of God we are and who we have as our guide. You see, when this army came against Saul and, and, he, and he began to be afraid and, and, and fear began to enter his heart, he did the right thing. He inquired of the Lord. And that is what we do as the people of God. As, as kings and priests of God, we inquire of the Lord. And, and let me tell you that, that we as the people of God have His guidance. We have the guidance of the Holy Spirit and we have the guidance of the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit and the Holy Scriptures come together in our lives to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. To be a voice saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. We don't, we don't have to... to to be led by fear. Because we, we certainly don't want to be guided by fear. And, and, and we certainly don't want to be guided by, by pride. And, and Lord, help us to the awful places that we will go if we allow jealousy to come in and be a guide in our lives and lead us and direct us in the, in the way that we should go. We, we don't follow those things. And, and now listen to me. We, we also don't... don't have the culture as a guide or, or the, the ways and systems of the world as a guide. We are not led by Hollywood or, or, or Disney or, or whatever else may be out there saying this is the way that you should be, this is the way that you should go. Look, we're not even led as the people of God by by the Democratic Party or the, or the Republican Party or, or what. What, whatever president you like says whatever he says. We're, we're not led by those things. We, the people of God, are guided by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Scriptures, and they agree. They come together in perfect unity. The decisions that we make to do the things that we do and connect with who we connect with and go where we go, they should flow out of us following the leading and guidance of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Scriptures, the Word of God. We don't, we don't follow anything else. I don't, I don't follow whatever the latest opinion on Facebook is. Please help me, Lord. We, we follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We follow the Word of God and it is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, a voice behind us saying, this is the way, walk ye in it and will lead us down the path of abundant Life is going to lead us in the way that we should go. Not a path of death or destruction or robbery, but a path of blessing and freedom and life that is more abundant and eternal. So I think it may be a good question for, for all of us in here to continually ask ourselves, what guide is guiding me? As as I'm living out my story in need of guidance, we all are, what, what is guiding my life? 
Like there's a, there's a lot of Christians I'd like to I'd like to go back into November and ask what guided your voting? Was it the Holy Spirit or or was it the word of God? Or or what 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 was it? You know, or what's what's guiding your relationships and what's guiding what you connect with and what's guiding how you spend your time and what's guiding how you use your finances. What is, what is guiding the meditations of your heart and the words of your mouth? What's guiding your life? Is it, is it the Holy Spirit? Is it the Word of God? Or is it fear? Is it jealousy? Is it pride? Is it the ways and systems of the world? Is it the moving direction of the crowd? You, you want to know where the crowd goes? There is a path that is broad and wide that leads to destruction, and many there are that find it and walk down it. You want to know where the crowd's going? The crowd goes down the wrong path. It's the few, it's the individual that finds the path of life that's a little more challenging and a little more difficult, but it's worth it. It's very few that find it, that path of life, and go down that path. If, if, you, if, you know, if you don't know exactly what to do, just don't do what the crowd's doing. Just don't go in the direction they're going. And, and until you know what to do, listen to the Word of God which says to be patient, to be still, to wait. That's one of the things that Saul should have done. He should have just settled down and waited and said, you know what? I'm not doing anything. I'm not going anywhere until God speaks, until God directs. I'm not going to take this into my own hands. That's so prideful, isn't it? I'm not going to take this into my own hands and, and try, to, try to twist God's arm and make him do and say what I want him to say on my, on my terms. I'm just going to be still. I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to be, I'm just going to be patient and wait for God to speak and wait for God uh, to move. And, and you say, well, well, God wasn't speaking because God had departed from him. And, and so, so I want to just interject right here uh, at, at the end of this and, and end with, with this thought. And I'm not saying that this is your case, but it could be in the future. I'm not saying that it's your case online, but, but it may be. Let me, let me bring in here the, the importance of repentance when it comes to hearing the word of the Lord. You know what Saul never does? He never repents. If you look at his story, you, you do not find it. He's sorry because he got caught. He's sorry because God's going to take the kingdom. But there's never, there's never this passionate, on my knees, crying out to God, repenting of my wrong, repenting of my direction, repenting of my choices. God, forgive me, change me, save me, restore me, I can't go on without you. Repentance. And, and, and even though that hasn't happened at any point in time in his story, isn't this right here a perfect opportunity for it now to begin? I mean, he is up against it. This is the end 
of the line. The Philistines are here. God has departed. And, and he doesn't even repent. And, and now that he's somehow called up Samuel, somehow that the Lord has allowed this to happen and heard that he's going to lose the battle, that he's going to lose his life, that he's going to lose his children, his sons are going to die. What does he do? He eats, regains his strength, and he leaves. You know what he should have done? He should have stayed on his face and cried out to God for mercy and forgiveness. He should have repented and laid there and not given up until God came and moved. And, and, and if, you, if you have looked at the Scriptures, if you understand just a little of the mercy and grace and forgiveness of our God, then you would understand that if He had, it would have moved God. I don't know what God would have done, but I know the story would have shifted. The story would have changed because God just can't handle it. He cannot handle it when we, when we, when we drop, when we're done, when it's over at the end of our rope and we cry out to Him and say, God, I've messed up and I'm sorry. I've been going in the wrong direction. I'm not going there anymore. Would you move? Would you cleanse? Would you change? Would you forgive? Come and help me. I don't know what God would have done, but He would have moved. He would have come and He would have spoken. He did not have to go to the witch. All He had to do was go to His knees. And stay there in humble repentance, crying out for forgiveness until God came and moved, until God came and spoke. You know, he did horrible things. You know who else did some horrible things? David. You know, David, David had an affair with Bathsheba, and then he killed her husband, You know the difference between David and Saul? God departed from David. God departed from him and he knew it. But he could not take it. He could not handle it. It was more than he could bear. And David did what Saul would never do. He repented and cried out to God. And he became a man who was guided by the Holy Spirit and even authored scriptures that we read. You, you, know, the, you know the psalm, Psalm 151. It's, it's David's cry for repentance. Go, go and read it this afternoon and, and, and look at him as he's calling out to God for mercy, as he calls out to God for forgiveness, as he said, Lord, come and, and cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Renew unto me a right spirit, a steadfast spirit, a new spirit. Create in me a clean heart. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord. You just Maybe some of your older saints are with me. You can just hear that, that old song, Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit within me. 
that song, that crying out of repentance that David lifts up and it renews and restores relationship with his guide, with his God. And guided by God, David ends up being the king, the man that he wanted to be, to to where Paul says of him in Acts that he served God and God's purposes for his generation and has changed and affect generations to come. We, the people of God, we are not guided by all of these other things. We receive our direction and our guidance from the Holy Spirit and the Holy Scriptures. And if we ever come to the place where where we feel like God's not speaking, that God has departed, that God has moved, you don't run to anything else. You persevere, you persevere, you persevere, you wait until God speaks. And if you know that you need to, you repent and cry out to God for forgiveness. Tell him, I cannot take it, Lord. Please, don't cast me from your presence. I cannot survive. Forgive me, cleanse me, change me, renew me. I need you, and I need your guidance. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit, and we thank you for the Holy Scriptures. We thank you that as your people called by your name, we are full of the Holy Spirit and we wholeheartedly believe in the Holy Word of God. We just declare right now, Lord, that we will not be led astray and guided by the enemy who wants to lead us to our death, who wants to lead us to our destruction. But we will be a people who are guided by you, guided by the Holy Spirit, guided by the Holy Scriptures in everything that we do. And Lord, right now, we just repent of of being guided by fear, of being guided by pride, of being guided by jealousy, of being guided by the crowd or, or the ways of this world. And we ask you to forgive us and to cleanse us and purify us and create a clean heart within us. And we know that you have forgiven us and we receive that forgiveness, Lord. We pray, cast us not away from your presence. Renew a right spirit within us. And then we declare, as Psalm 51 did, that we will live for you to proclaim you and to, and to magnify you and praise you and exalt you all the days of our lives. With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. And for all of you who are listening and and watching online, if, if you know right now that you need to repent and that you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, we don't, we don't want to end without giving you that opportunity. If, if that's the case, then just raise your hand. I just, want to, I just want to pray with you and lead you in prayer. Amen. I see your hand. Amen. I see your hand. Thank you, Jesus. If you're raising your hand online or just, or just in agreement as you're listening, just, just pray with me. Just repeat after me. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner and worthy of death and worthy of judgment.
And Jesus, I thank you for your blood. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your cleansing. Change me, Lord. Make me into who you want me to be. I open my heart. Ask you to be my Savior, my Lord, my forever passion. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hey, God bless you. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you back here next Sunday. Read Psalm 51 and uh, let the Holy Spirit and the Word of God guide you. God bless.